Hello and welcome to Laid Back Lush. I'm Michael, a former wine and beer salesperson as well as former vineyard worker. And I am Gabe. I am WSCT Level 3 certified and I work as an administrator for a wine and spirits educating body. And we are talking today about beer glasses and serving. Yeah. As well as cleanliness techniques. So we concluded our little series on wine laws from around the world, which concluded the last week with both China and Japan. If you haven't given that a listen, please do so. And if you haven't followed us on Twitter and Instagram, please do so, at LaidBackLush. And if you would like to sponsor us, since this is the segment that would have had a sponsorship added, then you can also DM us on either one of those things. Our uh, PayPal is... <laughs> oh, no, God. Let's not do that. Just do my cash app. My cash app, our Venmo. Oh, that, that's one thing. Like, I never want to disparage anybody um, immediately, but like in the art scene when it's like the cash app is just like listed in the bio. I mean, that is going to be us one day when it's, we actually are able to monetize this podcast. Yeah. Let's be real. Although yeah. we'll probably, I think, go the Patreon route, but who knows? Patreon would be nice. But yeah. in any case, now that we've officially uh, completely put a foul flavor in everybody's mouth, let's talk to you about how to get that that flounder out of your mouth today we're going to be discussing how to cook flounder (laughs) flounder and beer pairings oh my god i'm actually so down for a seafood and beer pairing episode that would be great that would be legitimately amazing yeah a lot of i mean you could you could go some directions with that i know some local chefs yeah we could get them in on this this would be fun um but no we are talking about beer glasses before we start, though, we also mm-hmm. did a wine, glassware, and tools episode way yes, early did. on in the podcast, so if you are curious about that, give that a listen. Yeah, absolutely. But today we're just going to be talking about some cleanliness techniques, maybe a little bit of shopkeep, as it were, and just some different beer glasses, which beers that you should be pouring them into, and we're going to have a little tasting at the end. And I will be taking more of a backseat in this episode for once, because Michael's actually the uh, the Cicerone. The Cicerone. I want to be perfectly clear, I have a beer server certification in Cicerone. For those of you who have the Cicerone certification, you know what that means. For those of you who don't... Oh no, he said the bad thing. So, uh, <laughs> don't keep that. <laughs> I am done. I am. I'm leaving. I am not coming back. <laughs> He's actually leaving. <laughs> you just said that I you just, just said I, that I said oh that. my god oh god I'm in a mood um, oh <laughs> hopefully I'll be able to tell you some things you didn't know previously and help you to enhance your drinking experience I hate you I know I hate you <laughs> <laughs> welcome to uh, laid back lush where Gabe hates me <laughs> oh god oh dear um, so first off a little bit of shopkeep what you don't want to do is you don't want to clean your beer glasses at in, all. At all. Leave it in there. Let them that, get filthy. That let it bready, accumulate. yeasty mm-hmm. aroma that comes out of them. That you want your beer to start re-fermenting when you pour it in that glass. <laughs> yeah. So not that. But you don't want to really put them in the dishwasher for the best experience. A lot of dishwashers use oil-based detergents and that sort of thing in order to get a shine. The fact is, is that glasses over time are going to develop some scratches, and one of the ways that detergents kind of mask that is by filling in those gaps with oils. However, those oils are going to be what basically keeps the head of the beer. So when you pour the beer, that little bit of foam on the top, that's called head, it's going to actually deter that from forming. 
So in any case, typically you don't want to put them in the dishwasher and also try and see if you can get detergents when you're washing them by hand that don't have oil in them either. I would also say just for the sake of um, things getting jostled around, you know, if you have good glassware, I mean, I don't even put my wine glasses in the dishwasher. I mean, you're kind of not supposed to do that in general anyway, but nice glassware. I just don't like putting in the dishwasher because I don't like running the risk of it potentially shattering. But Mm -hmm. that's just I know it's rare, but still. Yeah. So keep your glasses nice and clean. You can sterilize them, but you want to make sure that any sanitizer that you use with them is going to be completely washed out before serving. I also do not recommend that you ever put your glasses in the freezer. If you do so, you're actually going to cause ice crystals to be forming on that, and that's going to be affecting how the beer is in the glass as well. It also makes the glass more brittle. Exactly. So please don't do that. That's not how we do things. (laughs) It's against the law. It's against the law. (laughs) The beer law. Pretty much all beer is going to be poured into the glass the same way. There are a few exceptions, and a lot of them actually are ones that still have the lees in there, so they still have some yeast, which is actually topped on top of the head like a crown when you're pouring that one. That one's fun. But most of them are just going to be poured into the glass, holding the glass at an angle, and then you're going to turn it away from that angle so that it's standing straight up and down for about the last third or fourth of the cup. That gives it the correct amount of head. And if you don't know why we serve beer in glasses, then that'll be the next section here. Oh, no, he said the bad thing. (laughs) Don't put it in. (laughs) Don't put it in. (laughs) Actually, have an edit that's just all the times that I say we're not putting this in. (laughs) We're not putting it in. If I had to edit in... Every time I've had to cut something inappropriate from this podcast, that just that compilation alone would be like an hour and a half long. <laughs> that would be so much fun, though. It would be. So one of the main reasons why we pour beer into glasses instead of having them in their respective bottles and cans is for the aroma, but also for your stomach. When you're drinking directly out of a can or directly out of a bottle, it actually is going to have a higher concentration of carbonation. A lot of people who have trouble when they're drinking beer and they're saying that they're getting an upset stomach, sometimes it's because of a sensitivity. A lot of times it's actually just because there's too much carbonation. So when you pour it into a glass, it's also going to release some of that carbonation and voila, they're no longer having issues drinking it. The main reason, though, is that aroma. And all of these glasses do something different to that aroma in order to enhance the experience. So starting out, we have a a bunch of different ones. Most of these started getting their development in the turn of the 20th century, because before that you would drink it out of, you know, whatever you had on you, a skin, this, that. My flask. The flask. Actually, the flask became super popular during the um, the prohibition just as like a, ooh, look at me. I'm I'm such a bad boy. I have yeah. a flask. Yeah, now it's like edgy is wearing eyeliner and everything. And back then it was like, no, I just have alcohol on me. That's the fashion. I mean, I still think that makes me edgy. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you're going to be edgy. It's just you're also going to get pulled. Um, <laughs> anywho. <laughs> uh, anywho, so... First one is the Imperial Pint Glass. This is also known as a nonal glass. Very similar to the American Shaker Glass, this is straight up and down on the sides with a slight bevel about an inch below the top. This is going to be mostly for your British ales, lagers, pale ale, India pale ale, and you can put amber ale, uh, red ale, 
generally good for pretty much everything that doesn't have an outrageous ABV. Yeah, it's also, uh, from what I was reading, it tends to be better for more sharp or hoppy styles of beer rather than smoother lager styles. Yeah. The smoother lager styles, once you're starting to get, especially into the even like lighter stuffs, it's not really designed for that. This is supposed to be able to give a more robust aroma, a little bit more space to breathe. Mm Mm-hmm. Next up is Pilsner glasses. For those of you who don't know, Pilsner was made in the Czech Republic, and it was actually kind of a turning point for beer in general. We cover more of this in our Beer Styles episode, if you would like to take a look at that. For Pilsner glasses, you can kind of think of this as being like a super thin American shaker glass. So it's very thin. It comes up at an outward angle, so it's, it's going up and out all the way to the top. And you'll have to forgive us for not having visual aids for you. Maybe we'll do a little Instagram post in addition to this. Mm -hmm. But this is going to be good for things that are supposed to be a little bit more on the refreshing side. So Pilsner, a lot of American adjunct lagers, your Bach, your Helly's Bach, your Maybach, Vienna Lager, your Blonde Ales, and also your Japanese Rice Lager, as well as your Wit Beer. So basically things that have that more fruity tendency, a little bit lighter, those are going to be the ones that you can use with this. Vienna Lager also, uh, as well as a lot of German styles, can be served with this. Again, as long as it's not very heavy on the alcohol. This is another light alcohol glass. Next up is one that you have probably seen at every single person's house who says that they like craft beer. They have at least one of these. Called out. Yeah, no, it, it's always the thing. Out. Oh and they will gosh. serve you anything in it. It does not matter. It does not matter what it is. They're going to serve it to you. They're like, oh, yes, I have this lovely IPA. Would you like it in the tulip glass? And that's it. Like, sorry. Michael has stories. I have stories. I almost want to hear the stories. Well, because you don't correct a man about his glassware in his own house. I will. He, he brought me over. If it's about wine, I will at least. Like, he or she brought me over. They are serving me beer now. I'm not going to be like, well, if you happen to know, I'm a Cicerone. I'm a Cicerone. I actually beer want server. you to do that. Exactly. That one. Do the, yeah. uh, the cult. What, what was it? It was the, the cultured caveman from Freakazoid. I never watched Freakazoid. You never watched Freakazoid? I did not have cable until I was like 13. Oh my I was gosh. too poor. Well, neither did I. I watched it recently. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean well, like I- three years ago. You know, some of us grow up from watching children's media. <laughs> and some of us didn't watch children's media. No, uh, basically, Freakazoid, he's like, he is the embodiment of the modern day TikToker. We need to move on. We need to, we move, need to move on. on. Sorry. <laughs> We've already brought up TikTok too many times in recent yeah. episodes. <laughs> it's TikTok, you know, it's dominating my entire life now. Um, tulip glasses. So tulip glasses are going to look a little bit more like uh, a wine glass. Mm-hmm. So think a short goblet has that nice outward uh, well, you could say that little bowl, and then it tapers towards the top and comes up a little straight, allowing for that little area to well those aromas. Almost as if it were named after the shape of a certain flower. Almost, yeah. Weirdly enough, I know it sounds crazy. Yeah, like maybe um, like a daffodil or a pansy. <laughs> I think it was a bird of paradise, actually. Bird, oh my god, could you imagine? <laughs> that would be great. That'd honestly. be fantastic. That'd be awesome. And if you happen to be a glassware maker, DM us. Um, <laughs> anywho, so uh, next up, what kinds of? Oh, right, 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 right. Beer, Michael. Come on. Yes. 
That's the whole reason we're doing the episode, Michael. Come on. So typically for tulip glasses, you can do anything 10% or above. So uh, Belgian strong ales, Belgian dark ale, barley wine, double or imperial IPAs, um, your Belgian IPAs, Belgian pale ales, fruit lambic, Saison, American wild ale, and scotch ale. I love wild ales, fun fact. Yeah, and if you've never had a wee heavy, that's that's a good one. Speaking of. Yeah. Uh, so. And this is when we start getting into some um, niche niche glassware. So maybe a little unnecessary in certain circumstances. Yeah. So some theory behind glassware is that it really is going to enhance it. They're very tried and true things that are going on just simply from a physics standpoint in order to enhance the experience. Mm -hmm. Can I share my position on glassware? Yes. The more complicated the design is, the less it's actually doing for whatever you're putting in it. More Whether than that likely. be spirits, wine, beer, mm -hmm. simple shapes have been that way for a long time for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Now, of course, we've only gotten a couple of these since like the 1940s, but some of these have been designed simply for the promotion of the drink itself. So you have the thistle glasses, which can be used for scotch ale and wee heavy. Then you have the goblet or the chalice glasses. Which literally just looks like a big chalice. Yeah. I mean, not as encrusted as maybe a medieval one, but you know. Well, and that's the thing. Like these, again, were put there in order to advertise like Belgian styles a lot. So you have your heavy or dark beers like Belgian IPAs, your, your Belgian strong dark ale, your double, your triple, your quad. All of your Trappist stuff is basically going to be done in these. What would you say for like porters and stouts for this style? Is it not funneled enough? Yeah, I would say that with with these in particular, it's kind of like goblets are a more medieval style of the tulip. Mm -hmm. so, so what about like higher alcohol percentage, dark beers? Would that maybe push it over because you have the alcohol pushing up more aroma chemicals? Either way, the tulip glass is going to end up being the go-to. Fair. Yeah. Like you, you don't... The Unless you want to feel like a Viking. Yeah. The goblet <laughs> or, or a medieval is king. a little superfluous. Yeah. The IPA glasses. You can see these as basically being a teenage version of a Glencairn glass, <laughs> if I can call it that. I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. <laughs> it, it really does look like that. So you have uh, an angle that is going inward from the base, from a very thin base, and then going up into something that looks like a tulip again. It kind of looks a little like, bit wider than a standard tulip, but yeah, a, a little wider. It's tapered. Think of like a white wine glass. Yeah, yeah, like a white wine glass. If the stem also could contain beer, yes, and had ridges on it. Yeah, and had ridges for some reason. There are a lot of different things that people consider to be stout glasses. I will say I have never because I've had this glass before, and we're talking about kind of superfluous stuff. I have never had a stout in a stout glass and thought. Wow, this is really improving my experience. Yeah, no, neither have I. In my opinion, the, the tulip pint is actually a bit better for this. Yeah. So there are two types. There's the stout glass, which is essentially a lot like the IPA glass. It looks almost exactly the same. It's just, just bigger. Yeah, bigger and, and, less and no tapers. ridges. Yeah. yeah, and no ridges, yeah. And no ridges. And then you have the tulip pint, which is, again, a lot like the American shaker glass, which is just two angles going outward, only it starts to taper back towards the top. Which, again, I think that that's ideal. Yeah. In fact, that's ideal for a lot of different styles. Mm -hmm. But both that stout glass, as well as the tulip pint, 
They're meant for pretty much all styles of stout, but especially Irish stout. King of beer. Yeah, I, I love an Irish stout. Irish stout and most English styles of beer as well. The one good food stuff of England. <laughs> Seriously. You want some beanies on toast with your stout? Would you like some haggis? <laughs> Would you like some haggis? I am really not trying to make fun um, of people in England. You gave us wonderful beer. I'm making fun of you. Aww. I am making fun of you. But they gave they us... They pronounce Gordon- it Rioja. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can make fun of that. Yeah. But we don't spell color with a U, so, like... Yeah, we are more efficient. No, we're just less fancy. <laughs> I, I actually, when I was younger, did start spelling color with a U, just to see if I would get called out on it. That is the most you thing I have ever heard. Yeah. Oh my... I I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to know if I was I could get called out on it, so that I could be like, actually, this is a, an older form of the word, so... Still in use. And you would have a pretentious reason for using it, too. Yeah. It's an older form of the word. In the only way when you uh, I, was, I was a little smart, smarty, smart, smart. You, you still are. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. No, I, that's one of the things I like about you. Thanks, Kate. Because <laughs> I am, too. <laughs> I hate you, Michael. But there are things about you that I love. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, we have the Weizenglas. I actually really like these. I love these glasses. Yeah, these are great. If you've never been to, uh, here's a little shout out for Capital Ale House. They typically will serve things in the right glasses. So if Mm -hmm. you want to experiment with them and see if it makes a difference for you, then I would definitely recommend checking them out. Weizen glasses, you can see them as basically having a taper inward at the base and then slowly coming outward again and then tapering back in in a very subtle curvature. Yeah. So it's it's not super extreme or anything like that. They're typically going to be fairly thin and very tall. Yes, very tall. Very tall. And this kind of helps to concentrate a lot of those more fruity aromas that you're going to be getting from your wheat ales, your Dunkelweizen, your Hefeweizen, your Kristallweizen, and your Weizenbach. Also, uh, something to mention for all of these more thin styles, so like the Pilsner glass and the uh, Weizen glass, that also helps preserve your carbonation. Yeah. Same principle as a flute glass for champagne. Exactly. In your thinner styles, you're not going to have as many surfaces that are being clung to, and you're not going to have as much of a surface area for it to dissipate from. Mm -hmm. That's also another reason why you want your glasses to be clean is because if you do have little bits of food particle or anything like that, that's actually going to increase the amount of carbonation being released. Mm. So you have those. I love those glasses. I think that they do a wonderful job of enhancing those flavors. But then we have the Stanglas. Literally, that means stick in whatever language that it's from. I don't remember. I just remember the fact from the studies. This one is primarily designed to keep temperature consistent. The clue is in the name, Stang, which means stick. It is just a straight up and down thin small glass. And a lot of times you're going to have a lot more of those delicate beers the lighter beers, even certain types of uh, Japanese beers could be potentially theoretically drunk out of these because of the fact that they're supposed to be just delicate and refreshing. So that's going to be your Kolsch, your Box, your Lambics, your Gozas, your Czech Pilsners, your Rye beer. Then you have the American Shaker, which I've been describing this entire time without describing it. Two angles going upward in either direction. Typically, this is good for anything that is not over 6% alcohol. But it's really suited to pretty much any style. It's just not going to really do anything for it. It's just kind of there. Wide surface area. So you'll get some aroma out of the head. 
But once that head starts to to dissipate or you start getting it a little bit further down the glass, it's not really going to hold on to it or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was just adapted for its simplicity. And in the 1940s, we ended up getting the Moss, which is the dimpled uh, mug, which is one of my favorites. I will drink anything out of this. Oh, yeah. Literally anything. It's just, it, it feels like Oktoberfest. It like, feels like Oktoberfest. It's, it's great. I love these. I love these. Yeah, no. And they, like, they're on posters everywhere. If you haven't seen these, then I would be surprised. You will know if you see one. Yeah. You can drink anything below 6% out of these guys, and you're typically going to be okay. They are not meant to have super complex flavors, so think Oktoberfest, think mm -hmm. lighter beers on that level. Yeah. So Marzins and a lot of other German styles. Then you have beer mugs, and beer mugs, well, it's, it's a beer mug. It's temperature control, it's, just like what a mug is for for hot liquids. Exactly. Thick, some, some thicker glass. really cool. Oh, yeah, no, there's really cool ones out there, but you know, they typically just have thicker glass to keep the beer insulated. Yeah, you have a lot of options with these guys. Mm -hmm. But then you have the beer steins. I have a beer stein, actually. Do you have a beer stein? Yeah, it's, uh, if you know of the web comic artist Flork, they did one with a, a company called Ownage, and it's just a little sock puppet in Lederhosen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's adorable. Uh, and he has teeth when you open it. He has little teeth. Oh my god, yeah. that's fantastic. It's amazing. So Beerstein's one of the characteristic things is that they have a lid. Mm -hmm. So it's typically going to be made out of porcelain, although yeah. I have seen them made out of wood before. But that primary characteristic of having a lid is why I wish I saw these more at barbecue and smoked meat places, because there are always flies in those places. Well, the only thing is, though, beer steins are also typically pretty artisanal. Yeah, they're, and, uh, they're meant for home use. Yeah, so you don't want to trust customers in a bar, probably, with beer steins. I still want it to be there, because that just oh, without it would be great. fail... Without fail. It would raise bar. the bides. Well, also, it would keep flies out of my glass. And it would keep flies out of your glass. Yeah. But hopefully your restaurant is clean enough that flies aren't too much of an issue to begin with. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. And then you have Das Boot. Das Boot! It's a glass beer boot, which is typically done as some form of competition. It has history. It came from a military guy who was tired of drinking beer literally out of his own boot. So he had a glass boot made. And yeah. That's it was, it was a German military commander, if I remember correctly. I would need to read up on the story again. But yeah, oh, it, it actually brilliant. did come from a real guy who was tired because he would take a drink of beer if he won a battle and he would have to take it out of his boot because that's what was available. So he had a glass one made instead. That sucks. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. When was this done? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. It, it was... It doesn't hundreds, matter. If you're in the military, there's no ago. way that your boot is going to make anything taste okay. No, no. Gosh, and I don't even want to Back know what that men does. men and they drunk <laughs> out, of out, of, out of their sweaty, nasty, unsanitary boots. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've heard of like people during World War I, especially, drinking out of their helmets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you make do with what you got. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, saying all that to say Michael's right, this is typically for like competitions, drinking yeah. competitions, stuff like that. And just remember, or turn parties. once you get to the, uh, to the heel. That's the, that's the key. Yeah, so that pretty much gets us through all of them, because the American shaker is kind of the same. Yep. Shall we taste? Yeah, so let's go ahead and get these beers and do a quick tasting. Yes. If you do have any questions about any of the glassware that we have just mentioned, there are a couple of don't special little things it. here and there. We do want to hear it, actually. No, we don't want to hear we it. We want to hear it. 
We want to hear all about We're it. We're tired of you guys always asking us questions, being yeah. so invasive. Relentless. Relentless. <laughs> Absolutely. I cannot keep up. I'm kidding. We love all of your input. Another little tidbit that you can know from a service standpoint is when you are drinking a glass of beer, if you don't see a ring of foam slowly developing along the areas that have just been emptied. So as it's going down the glass, you'll see a ring from the first sip, a ring from the second sip. Then it hasn't been cleaned properly. You want to see that ring going all the way down the entire experience. So before we start, Michael, what kind of glasses are we drinking out of right now? Not anything that we've talked about. No, it's a, it's a stem tulip glass. This one is going to, it's a little bit different in shape. It's a large one. It's a large one. Think of what you would typically see if you go to, uh, well, Capital Ale or maybe Sedona. Or perhaps Hardywood. Yeah, they're Hardywood glasses. Uh, stretch out kind of what your standard tulip would be lengthwise, and that would, I think, kind of maybe give you an idea of what we're drinking out of. And I, I like the fact that they did it this way, actually. Yeah. This, is a, this is a well-crafted glass. Yeah, sturdy, thick. Another really cool thing that some will do is that they'll actually do laser etching on the bottom of the glasses so that there's more areas for the uh, yeah, carbonation. Yeah, because it gets to, the carbon dioxide, yeah. Yeah, and so you just get a little bit more Steady aroma. stream of bubble, yeah. I am excited to try this because this is from a brewery that I actually have not tried yet. It is a brewery in Goochland, and we actually don't live very far away from it, but I just haven't been yet. Midnight Brewing. Yeah. So we are very excited to try these ones. Gabe insisted that we try a local beer. I did. He did. <laughs> I uh, did. Which I am completely behind. I almost was like, uh, is Stone local enough? And then he's just like, it's local enough, but... I don't like their beer normally. <laughs> yeah, which I happen to really love their beer. I think that the Stone IPA is Yeah, because you like beer that tastes like pine salt. Yeah. <laughs> That's an achievement. <laughs> achievement unlocked me. I don't actually dislike Stone Brewing's beer. I've had a couple of beers from them that I have enjoyed, but in general, they're just far too hoppy for me personally. Fair. All fair. Yeah. This one is the Rockville Red. I forgot to say that. Yes. So uh, Midnight Brewery, it has been in Virginia since 2011, and they have some really good stuff. This will be Gabe's first time trying this, like, mm -hmm. like he said. Yep. And I'm excited that it's a red. Yeah, the Rockville Red. Yeah. Uh, so this is an Irish red ale, should be featuring notes, uh, notes of caramel as well as some uh, fruitier notes. Um, Could lean more towards bacon sometimes. It kind of depends on what the producer is going for. So let's, without further ado, let's, uh, let's take a little, let's little smell. Oh, wait, what's our alcohol percentage on this oh, real yeah. quick before we start? 5.5. Uh, .5. Okay, so this probably should be pretty easy sipping then. Yeah. All right. Caramel. So we, yeah, caramel. Right off the bat. There's a little bit of a savory note to it. Yeah, um, it's not bacony, but it's more, um, it's almost kind of, you know how maple syrup kind of has a bit more of a toned down yeah. kind of savoriness to it? It's almost like that. Vanilla, there's definitely some vanilla going on. I say that because I actually have a, a bourbon barrel and vanilla um, infused maple syrup sitting in my fridge right now, and this actually smells quite similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's, it smells like it should taste aggressively sweet. Yeah. There is kind of a nice savoriness to it. I wouldn't say this beer is terribly complex, but red ales typically aren't anyway. No. Let's, uh, let's give it a sip. Let's give it a sip. Ooh. Ooh. Toasty. It's toasty, but it's also kind of refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it finishes sweet. 
Not super sweet. No, it's not. It's not as sweet as the nose would have you believe it is. And the sweetness, it's it's more like that really light vanilla sweetness mm-hmm. I, as like opposed it, it, to like a heavy caramel or a molasses. I know I keep saying maple syrup, but like this is kind of like uh, your lighter grades, your amber maple syrups. You know yeah. how it kind of just like but it's like hot on the waffle. Yes. Yeah. Like obviously maple syrup is going to be sweeter than this, but you know how maple syrup by comparison to like simple syrup is much less. So it's yeah. kind of like that. Yeah, no, it, it's toasty. It kind of has like a like hazelnuts or or walnuts roasted on an open fire kind of thing yeah oh this is good for this time of year after that barbera our last blind buy oh my god i'm so happy that we can actually (laughs) compliment something yeah no this it's like it's the complete opposite experience where both of us are just like looking at each other horrified at the fact that we can't honestly say we like a thing yeah and then this one is just like Oh, this hey. is nice. <laughs> yeah. No, so there is a there is a little bit of a caramely-ness to it, but again, like Michael said, it's not overbearing. It's it's rather light, actually. It's kind of like um maybe not toffee popcorn because that's still very rich, but more like kettle corn, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's a, but like kettle the brand. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like it's very light on the flavor. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not overbearing sweetness. You don't feel like you're about to get a cavity with this. Yeah. When we say light on flavor, we don't mean it's watery. No, not at all. It's not watery at all, but it is, it's refreshing. It's light enough to where you're not like, oh my gosh, my palate's already fatigued, you know, three sips in. It's very well balanced. There's some yeastiness going on, which I really like. Mm-hmm. I, I like that in pretty much any beer. I'm Obviously, yeast is like key to beer <laughs> in general. Um, but yeah, no, really nice. Yeah. So in summary, this has a fairly sweet aroma. There's Mm -hmm. a good deal of toast to it. There is also caramel, molasses, and a slight savory note. Yep. But then the flavor itself, it's toasty, light, refreshing, Mm -hmm. full-bodied flavor. And slightly sweet on the finish. Slightly sweet on the finish. Yep. That's That's a great little buy. The location of this particular brewery is in Rockville, which happens to be the namesake of this Rockville Red. Yep. Midnight Brewing. Another one that people seem to really like is their Not My Job Brown Ale. There is a lot of that on the shelf, at least. Yeah, there is a story behind it. Maybe we'll have to go and take a little trip there and, and hear their stories. I'm down. I am so down for that. Oh, and also, this one was only nine ninety nine, I believe. At, at Publix. At Publix, yeah. So Which that, Publix is... They upcharge on everything. Yes, they do. You can also find this at pretty much any of your local retailers. Yeah, I'm sure. Anywhere that has a decent local craft selection, I'm Precisely. sure we'll have this, yeah. In fact, I even think that I, I've seen this at Walmart. But yeah, so like I said, if you guys have any questions about glassware or beers in the local area, we should at some point still have a little interview with some people who know about the craft beer scene in Richmond. I would yeah. love to do that as well as home brewing. We're mainly limited by scheduling and equipment at the moment. Yes. But we have every intention to expand the podcast into being able to interview people because there, there's people I want to interview. There's people Michael wants to interview. And there's a lot of people in the Richmond scene in particular that I really want to reach out to and talk to on the show. So Precisely. And if you happen to know any of those people within either the wine or the beer industry and you would be capable of helping us to connect with them, I would love to hear from you as well. Absolutely. Because if we can talk beer and wine with people, especially local people. Or spirits. Or spirits. Those are the people we want to be talking to. Owner of the Jasper, if you're listening. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. That is, Please. those are like the best mixed drinks ever. 
free promotion for the Jasper on the Late Pack Lush podcast, but it, it really is actually. worth it. They are in Carytown. They have incredible everything everything yeah. yeah they have high quality spirits there that they use in their drinks they have everything from sweet drinks to drier everything in between they yeah i i love that bar and the atmosphere is great but again thank you guys so much for joining us uh, at laidback lush on instagram and twitter please go ahead and give us a follow if you can uh give us a like on our posts it really helps us in the algorithms mm-hmm. which is of course the the best way to kind of get us out there and tell your friends yeah and tell your friends if you have you know friends that are interested in this kind of thing that's kind of the best way to spread spread the, the good education word you know of laid back lush of laid back lush at laid back lush so yeah thank you guys and i've been michael i've been gabe cheers cheers our glasses were full okay they're full <laughs> it's okay <laughs>